0: Welcome to Kune episode one hundred and ninety-nine. I'm your host, Mike Apps, aka the Joker, and with me, as always, Sunken eyed Private Eye, David Bernie, Panel Master,
1: and uh, Bright-eyed Bushitel in Japan,
2: uh, Michael Baker, Gaijin Manoktari,
1: and we are back for a. Uh... Number of the Pre-Sage is a much more terrifying number.
0: Mm, 200 episodes.
1: Wow. That's upsetting. Um, so, what have we all been getting up to? What games have we been playing? Well,
2: I'm currently um, on my soon-to-be-eighth death against Apollo and Saga 2. Oh, no. You remember that battle, right? feels
0: unfortunately yep
2: yeah. but i just i picked up a random little tidbit in the dialogue leading up to it that i had forgotten about and which does not get which is not in the english translation of the original game Hmm. so I, i'm i'm kind of tempted to play through my japanese copy of the game boy game just to see if it's in there too um because uh when when dad is trying to warn apollo about using the the magi and how it they don't know what it's going to do to him. And Apollo's rebuttal is no, no, you fooled me once over that entire um, Holy grail incident. I'm not letting you do it again. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I want to hear the story there. (laughs) So, or if it's just one more Indiana Jones reference for dad, (laughs) (laughs) which it's probably both knowing this, particular series. But yeah, that's just kind of out there and it is never referenced again and we have no idea what it's talking about.
0: Interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah. But it would help explain how Dad survives so many things. <laughs> so. But right now I'm also trying to remember how many bat- how many rounds I need to actually survive against this guy before he self-destructs. So, shouldn't be too much more. I just need to survive that long.
0: Okay. So, how about you, Wheels? How are you done? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Persona 5 Royal. Um, um, and I've been actually playing on remote play with my tablet to get some extra time in, which is, for a role playing game, works perfectly fine. For anything else, it's god awful. Actually like exploring dungeons isn't always the greatest. So they've mostly been using it for kind of in between dungeon time or mucking mm-hmm. <sighs> about the uh oh god, what the heck is that uh area called? Mementos? Mementos, yes, thank you. I couldn't think of its name. Uh so yeah, I'm up to the third palace now, got queen, um my new favorite character and um having a blast so hopefully i can get it finished in not too long and play strikers which everyone seems to be enjoying
1: we'll get to that
0: (laughs) yeah uh in addition to that finally finally beat the boss i was stuck on in dragon quest 7 some stupid cloud monster uh Honestly, I don't remember him being that bad. I just remember blowing through pretty much everything in the game at one point or another. Oh nice. Yeah, he's he's mostly not bad. He just has this a uh, like attack that can do like over a hundred damage to everyone in the party. So it's kind of a matter of if you're unlucky and he uses it once and then maybe uses it the next round before any of your characters act. And you're kind of just toast. Um that sounds like a normal battle in
2: the game I'm playing right now
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is I'm, I'm going I was going through the last um, last area of the game and yeah, they're the little fairies and um, normally they're absolutely nothing to my characters because I've got a robot with a dragon shield who can just put up like elemental defenses at the wazoo unless they decide to cast whirlpool whirlpool um, since that will do like five to six hundred damage for everything in the party. And I'm finding these guys in mobs of at least six. Hmm. Yeah. And given the point in the game this is, this is after I have already killed the main option for getting revivals if I get wiped out in a battle. So.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay, sorry.
1: Yes. <laughs> How about you, Dave? Uh, I oh, huh? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought someone someone else was speaking up, but uh, I've been playing Persona Five Strikers. Yay! (laughs) It's a very good thing that you're not trying to play that immediately, because it absolutely assumes that you know who all these characters are. (laughs) Are there spoilers? Yes. Yes, there are. (laughs) Immediately. Uh, I mean, I figure that's how it was,
2: and. Oh, yeah. Flare Attack takes out two of my party immediately in this guy. Oh, Sorry.
0: fun. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I guess what I'll say is uh, that Persona 5 Strikers has the opening a Persona game would have if it didn't feel the need to establish why you need to care about all this because you already do. Because <laughs> it just immediately. Uh, just like, oh, here's, like, it's, it's designed to sort of feel like a reunion for players who are coming back after a few years, because it's like, oh, they're all back, and I get to see them again, and they're talking, and they're doing whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, as someone who gets tired of Musou games relatively quickly, uh, this is a game that is capable of keeping my interest. Uh, that's... That's a good, good sign.
0: So, does it follow any of the traditional Muso structure, or is it just pretty much not at all? So basically,
1: the way they've laid it out is that you have a sort of Persona Five style dungeon, but with more open hallways that you can, uh, that occasionally get into like big sort of Muso style brawls but the actual dungeon style seems to be more like Persona 5. Admittedly, I'm only a couple hours in, so, you know, things may shift, but it seems to be Muso style combat, but more RPG-style dungeon structure.
0: That sounds amazing.
1: And you've got... Uh, like, it's, it's added in all of these, like, Persona flourishes. You get new Personas that you can swap between. You get... All-out attacks, you get knockdowns based on elemental affinities. Like, all that stuff's still in there. It's just in a Musou style and context. So, uh, generally quite impressed. Uh, And the other thing is having... Like, like my big concern uh, when approaching this game was that the last time that a third party was involved in making a game that took place after a prior Persona game, we got Persona 4 Arena, which has some cute moments, very poisonous, and some fun character, uh, like some fun things implied about it, but the story is complete trash garbage. <laughs> And the new characters it introduces are garbage.
0: Nice. I never played the story mode. For a yeah, second. that's that's why. <laughs> it's
1: it's bad. Uh it feels more like Arc System Works sort of got its hands on it and made some Persona fanfictions. Bad. Ooh, um, no. Like I, I don't like I don't even mean to disparage fanfiction. Plenty of people write good work on this. This was bad fanfiction. Uh this feels more like It's recent. So like the thing about Persona 5 and the reason that I always felt like it had more potential for sequels than 3 or 4 was that the concepts it brings up are explored within the game, but there's still more you can do with them in a way that like 3 and 4 kind of close the book on, but 5 does not. And it seems like Strikers is picking that up and like sort of moving along with that idea of like, well, what if we did more and like explored more of the underpinnings of the of what we set up in Five. So, cool. Very impressed by it. Uh, oh. Definitely feels like more in spirit with Persona Five than say uh, Arena did with Four. Uh, Excellent localization quality so far. Good writing. Same voice Uh, cast, right? Exact same voice cast. Excellent. Uh, Absolutely excellent. Um, And, you know, like, one of the things that stuck out to me immediately when I played it is that, like, it uses a lot of music from Persona 5, like, a lot, a lot. Uh, And some of that's definitely cost cutting because it's like that game has a massive soundtrack and you can reuse some of it. But it also sets the mood really well to like oh you're just you're playing more persona 5 now because like this music is playing. Uh but there's there's more battle themes thankfully. Uh the uh Persona 5 Strikers remix of Last Surprise is really good. Uh in, in general it's just like I I've, I've been really impressed. It runs really well on Switch, which I've been pleased about. Uh I think I've seen the occasional frame drop but it because it's not doing, like, the massive scale of battles of, say, uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, it never chugs to the level that that game can. Nice. Uh, but, yeah. Um, really, really uh, jazzed about it thus far. Very excited to play more of it. So.
0: Well, Alex gave it a 4.5 on our site. So, 4.5 yeah. of 5. So, that's uh, really good. Yeah. And that but... got
1: brought up in the trailer, which is kind of a fun thing to Next. say. Nice.
0: Really, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, the trailer hawks that four and a half out of
0: five from RP Gamer. Uh, I'm I'm kind of hoping this is something they'll do more often with like these uh, licensed Muso games because one of the things that always made me enjoy the the two Zelda games now more is they weren't afraid to do different things and not just you know make a Warriors games basically a re skinned Warriors game. You know, those Zelda games are not as different as this sounds, but they're at least somewhat different. So uh, it'd be cool if they do some new things with that, that kind of tailor themselves towards whatever franchise they're doing. It it's it sounds pretty cool.
1: I get the sense that's what they want to do. Because, like, <laughs> one thing that's always struck me about Omega Force is that they're constantly making Warriors games Multiple Warriors games. Yeah. Like, that must be a gigantic team, and they're constantly making them. And they strike me as sort of like Sonic Team, which is a company that was constantly making Sonic games and seemed to desperately want to make something, anything else. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like the Warriors concept wraps around other franchises more cleanly than trying to put uh, guns or psychic powers and physics puzzles did into sonic so i think that uh strikers is like the for one of the most realized versions of this concept uh so yeah um oh that was the other thing i wanted to bring up uh one thing that i've really liked was actually the menus so like you remember how in Persona Five every time you swap menus like you see Joker sort of like slide around like uh, do some flips around or like fly through the menu during the screen transition they still do that in Strikers that's sweet and like in Striker is like it each sub menu brings up like a different character is. Uh, chilling at each sub-menu. <laughs> so, like, each of your party members has a sub-menu that they're in. Nice. So, like, uh, for ones that you would recognize, like, uh, Ryuji's on the equipment screen, or the Persona screen, like, case hanging out there. And, like, all of them have their own unique transitions so that you can see what they're... Uh, that involve that character Persona in some fashion. It's nice. really cool. It really... Reflects the style and spirit of Five. I've, oh man, it's it's just really impressed so far. Um,
0: but yeah, that's that's one of the things I wanted to bring about about Five too. Is just I'm always amazed sitting down playing that game. The the animations of everything just flow into each other. And just it's just cool to look at doing every one, part of it is so handcrafted yeah, feeling. Yeah, just like exiting a battle is cool and like sometimes i want to like get an all-out attack with a specific character just to see their little animation at the end of a battle because they're all, they all they're all so cool you always want to see the whatever piece of custom
1: art exists for when an all-out attack destroys the entire enemy party yeah <laughs> like fucking in morgana sitting uh, turning around in like a high chair and uh Holding a lit cigar for some reason. <laughs> oh, that's or so good. Uh, the like uh, the weird like we're awesome uh, bit that I think I think Anne has that. She has like the like there's a there's a piece of like custom art that just has we're so awesome on it. <laughs> but yeah, like all of those are uh, gorgeous and wonderful there's some uh there's some like semi-equivalent things that can happen in uh strikers if an all-out attack or a show ta- a showtime attack uh deals enough damage it'll uh bring up some similar sorts of things so you know feel real good <laughs> Yeah, it it really uh, Persona Five really raised the bar on what you can do with uh, the presentation of a very focused game like that. So, oh yeah, I forgot that one of the things I liked about uh, Persona Five Royal is that the Navigator character you don't have yet has a new has an all out attack uh join in animation so that the they aren't the only ones left out of that.
0: <laughs> nice. Oh the other thing I want to ask you is uh I assume you can play as whatever character you want. I haven't or... found a way to swap yet. I assume it's no. in there. Okay. That's that's usually a thing.
1: Yeah. But I haven't found it yet, so I don't know can you pick your party, like, right away, or... You, you start out with, like, a fixed party, but you do have your other party member. It's like, because okay, cool. the first time you go into a dungeon, your characters aren't expecting to go there, so you're just at the mercy of who happened to be with you at the
0: time. Gotcha.
1: But, yeah, you do eventually uh, get party choices. I assume you'll event- it'll eventually tutorial me on how to... Uh... It'll eventually tutorial me on how to... do to... to... Used other characters, but I haven't reached that far yet. Like I said, I'm not Sweet. that far in.
0: Yeah. Um and looking at this it was making me think of a lot of some of the other SMT spin offs that we haven't seen any in ages and I was thinking like it'd be it'd be fun to have another one of those devil summoner games as like a Musso type. Devil game. Summoner
1: Muso would make sense, but the like Musso is also always <laughs> reliant on the cast that it's inheriting, and it's right, right. not much that they can do. Like, there's there's good characters in those, but the awareness on them is so low. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Too bad because I would really like to see Rito as a Muso character. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's basically, I mean, don't even sell it as a Muso game. Just. Do a new Devil Summoner Rido game using that battle system. Yeah, yeah. Don't even try to sell it as Musou. Just sell it as a new Devil Summoner Rido game. I mean, and it would fit
1: in very well. I mean, there's uh, there's already like a really solid mix of the SMT combat with uh, action with Muso style in Persona Five Strikers. So there's definitely a groundwork there. Nice. Yeah. Oh god, I just, I was looking at what each piece of art uh, that each character gets when they do an all-out attack. Mm. Uh. Uh,
0: The other thing I was going to ask you is, uh, so I saw a... I don't know if it was a season pack or a DLC pack for this. It was like 60 bucks. Have That's probably
1: at... costumes and
0: music, which is pretty typical for Musos. So let me see. So I remember you had mentioned something about being able to have it like randomly switch the music around or something. I assume I'm g- going to have to buy a bunch of music packs to actually. There are that.
1: There's like a legacy music pack at the very least. Okay. Let me see what DLC exists Uh, for it. How are you already trying to sell... Ah, these clickbait sites are already like, here's things that might not be answered yet. Let's see. I'm not seeing a ton of uh, DLC for this. Let me see if I can find... uh, I'll just check if PSN has... A, okay, I've seen the digital... Okay. On PSN, hopefully Persona 5 Strikers will link
0: to any DLC they sell a it. Oh, hey, Budai's watching. Uh, oh, hi, Budai. He says, hey. Pirate Warriors One Piece 3 was a blast, and I don't know much about that license. Yeah, I, I agree. I have only watched like a few episodes of One Piece, but that game's really fun. And it plays a lot like... Um, High Roll Warriors. So, uh, I think a lot of the same people worked on both. So, that's a good one.
1: Yeah, I'm not seeing much other DLC for it. There's a lot of DLC for
0: Royal. But... Maybe I was accidentally looking at DLC for Royal. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Yeah, because there's a lot of like outfits and such for Royal, and like Royal gave you a bunch of the DLC outfits from. A vanilla five for free and then added a bunch of new dlc outfits so
0: oh, don't tell me that now i'm gonna go looking at
1: them <laughs> okay there's the digital deluxe edition which you might be thinking of maybe but there's also the legacy music pack let me see how much does this cost it's 15 bucks which is a little a little pricey, but it gives you music from Persona 1, its PSP remake, Innocent Sin, Eternal Punishment 3, 3 Portable, 4 and 4 Golden that can all sort of like swap into the battle music slot uh, seemingly. Oh. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah, there's a change battle music option that shows up that just sets it to random so that you can vary up the battle
0: music. That's pretty cool.
1: I might pick that up eventually just to keep myself from eventually going insane, but it is a really good remix of last surprise a song. I've listened to for approximately 200 hours of my life. So
0: I have not heard, I've barely hear last surprise because I have taken you, to your approach to wandering around dungeons. So I get that other, other battle theme most of the time.
1: Yeah. I forget what Royal uses for surprise attacks. It's some
0: other theme that I don't think was in the original game. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's doing the same thing that Golden did, where uh, they helped uh, pace out the battle theme by having it so that if you uh, got into a fight regularly, you would get one battle theme. And if you got a surprise attack on the enemy, you'd get the other. Uh, I think the second theme is called Showtime, maybe? No, no. Let me see. Uh, okay. Persona 5 Royal theme no longer plays. Let's see. Uh, Team right. no longer plays uh, when the party ambushes an enemy. Instead, it's then replaced by takeover. That's which I recall being too. good, but it's less iconic than Last Surprise. Yeah. Also, it Last Surprise was all that existed when this game came was announced in Japan. So
0: you'll never. But see there is a comments. second
1: battle theme in Strikers.
0: Cool. <sighs> Budai asks if any of us have actually beaten Digital Devil Saga 1 and 2. Nope. Never actually played that one.
1: I got through much of Digital Devil Saga and then set it down, and I don't think I ever even found a copy of Digital Devil Saga 2, which is probably part of why I set it down.
0: They actually had reprints on Amazon not that long ago for super cheap.
1: Yeah, there was a reprint at that point. It was also a PS2 classic on PS3 for some period, but... Also, yeah, I'm listening to Takeover now and this is still a really good theme.
0: Yeah. um uh, Budai also asks, uh, Tales and Persona do DLC right, or would you rather have an expanded story through DLC? I
1: mean I typically feel like they like Persona feels pretty complete when it finishes and then they release another version and I'm like, well, maybe it's not complete enough and I buy it and I usually play through it. It would be nice if those versions were DLC, but like they're often really extensive uh rebalances that might not actually like part of the reason you wouldn't release those as dlc is because they would probably make your saves incompatible yeah like i think that's probably why we don't see something like uh like persona 5 royal as dlc for vanilla persona 5 it's such a it's a heavy rebalance that ends up making your saves incompatible but
0: yeah like if if they had tried to do all, a lot of the changes in um, Persona 3 Portable to the original games, that probably wouldn't have worked. And I just mean like actually allowing you to control your full party because that kind of makes balancing a lot different.
1: <laughs> yeah, not that they did extensive rebalancing yeah, in Portable. I doubt it. <laughs> But, like, I mean, like, you get to, like, they shuffled around a, where a ton of personas are and, like, added a bunch of them. And, like,
3: yeah.
1: what happens, like, you end up running into, like, say, in Persona 5 Royal, you have the Counselor Confidant. What happens to a save file that doesn't know about the existence of the Counselor Confidant that's already passed the flag to for him to show up that loads up that as DLC? It's not possible. You just, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's, it would be it, even if you wanted to do it, the amount of time you would spend testing permutations of that would be horrendous, it would not make any sense. Yeah, I think that in general, like the DLC in Persona 5 is the right kind, which is to say that it's mostly stuff that doesn't matter that much, it's cute nods to old games or like weird, uh, because it's just costumes, it's costumes. There's a couple of DLC personas, but they're mostly reskins, as I recall. They don't feel important. <laughs> hmm. So I would say that Persona mostly does it right. I don't. What was the other part of the question? Was it like Tales
0: of? Yeah, Tales of I does don't a lot know of what DLC. Those have it's mo- it's all like cosmetic items.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like that's you know, if I want to spend an extra five dollars because I think that it's cute to have Persona Q- two costumes, then yeah, yeah sure. but you know that's uh i think that it's reasonable to it's one of those things i i've seen people that get really galled by it and i don't fully understand it (laughs) well uh,
0: my thought there would be that's kind of something that's especially in tales they used to kind of just include for free yeah for me for me it's like persona never had that content before yeah and the the DLC entails, I think, is a lot more extensive than stuff they used to include for free. Anyway,
1: yeah, that's the other thing is that like, uh, especially as, as development budgets go up, but also as remuneration for individuals continues to stagnate, whereas remuneration for corporate heads goes higher. Uh, the money mean remuneration. Out... What what
2: remuneration? What? Because <laughs> I think you were just saying renaming instead of repaying
1: uh, I can't remember let me check <laughs>
2: <laughs> Remuneration
1: Uh Oh yeah it's remuneration huh. it's
3: not I've
2: been remuneration.
1: mispronouncing that for a number of years um, But yeah um, as, as that uh, as, as the pocket book books keep shifting uh, money tends to go out of the pay for bonus features and sadly that uh, shifts the burden to the people that want to pay for them so uh, I blame uh, bloated uh, executive level pay
0: that's Uh, generally a good guess
1: what the hell are you playing? Destiny oh that explains why I don't understand it uh (laughs)
2: Although over here, I have been reminded twice now that I have to have at least one character alive besides Dad when Apollo blows up.
1: Seems important.
2: Yeah, because if if Dad tanks the explosion and no one's actually around to survive it anyway, then it's game over. doesn't matter. Right.
3: <sighs> so. Uh, yeah,
1: let's see. Uh, uh, yeah, huge huge fan of uh, Strikers thus far, and I've also continued my like uh, mad attempt to try to get as as much content in uh, Judgment done as I feel there is meaningful reward for, and that has led me down some dark paths in terms of this game's mini games. Mm. Just to say, uh, so for one to uh thankfully i haven't found mahjong to even be in the game so i'm i'm in the clear there because i don't understand mahjong at all
2: i was gonna say that's usually the thing that they take out
1: uh they haven't done that in a number of games they they Mm. usually keep those in because people complain when they're gone even Uh, if nobody knows how to play it yeah pretty much uh i think there might still be some variant of shogi in there but i'm not sure Uh, That's a little more understandable to uh, Western players, though. Um, In any case, there are, however, multiple Hanafuda games, although thankfully relatively simple ones. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah,
1: But yeah, I had to play a bunch of Hanafuda to get my friendship up with the pawn shop owner because (laughs) one of the things you need to sell him to raise his friendship only goes up if you uh, can only be purchased with... uh, things you earn from playing Hanafuda games. So that was a battle. And then uh, I was trying to unlock uh, all of the skills in the game. And that takes some work. Because to do that, uh, you know, like there's not a lot of great ways to grind EXP. Fights give you almost nothing. Uh, It's mostly story events that give you... Uh, EXP, or SP as the game chooses to call it in this case, but it's experience that you spend on things. Uh, The easiest way to do this is to buy a kind of drink that the game calls a hug bomb. (laughs) And high-level hug hug bombs raise the amount of... uh, give you EXP when you drink them. Uh And but they're expensive they're very expensive so you need a quick way to get money well the easiest w- there's not a lot of repeatable ways to make money because the best way to make money is doing uh store like cases like side cases and that gets you a lot of money but that's not repeatable because all of those have individual stories to them so what you have to do in this case is there is a sukaroku based dice game Okay. Uh I uh, like it's ba- it's some sort of board game that like there's Sugoroku references in it, but it's basically uh, every time that you play this board game, you can take uh, take out money from it, and mm-hmm. Like, it's the fastest way to gain money. You can get, like, two to three million if you're playing it well. Uh, Two to three million, yeah. And that buys a bunch of hug bombs, and you turn those into experience. It's it's a very complicated economy. Uh, The problem is that getting uh, passes to play Sugeroku is actually a job and a half. We've reached full, like, uh, old lady who swallowed the fly logic at this stage. Yeah. Hmm. so you have to win play passes to get uh to play the Sugoroku game to get the Sugoroku play passes they're rare drops from enemies uh you can uh, uh what you got they're the rare drops from enemies you can get them by winning home run swing like contests at the batting cage or if you're stupid like me, you can decide, uh, you can find the side quest that lets you use, uh, to, you skip ever having to get play passes again, which requires you to do an ungodly amount of gambling and an ungodly amount of the drone racing minigame.
2: <laughs> drone racing! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's incredibly difficult and a huge pain in the ass, uh... The last, uh, to get the last free play pass, you have to uh, win the championship league of drone racing. That takes an ungodly amount of money to begin with uh, because you need to buy really high quality drone parts. You also need to uh, run around town and scan 50 different QR codes to get all of the best drone racing parts that takes forever basically i've done too much i've done i've dug too greedily and too deep and played way too much of these these side mini games i am mostly done with them in the terms of they're almost out of ones to give me but there's still some more I'm going to have to do even more gambling because one of the friends that opens up later requires you to gain friendship by beating her in hands of poker. That's really difficult and obnoxious. And by difficult, I mean highly random. So yeah. uh,
2: This game was made by the Yakuza guys. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, (laughs) But the plot's been pretty interesting. Uh, I would say that Yakuza seven is a stronger game overall by a Fair margin, but it's still uh Judgment is an interesting spin-off that's doing a different thing. And I am very excited to see if they continue down if they make that spin-off a series, because I think that there's a lot of the issues that I have with this one could be reasonably uh fixed in a sequel. Because it feels like it's partly that they don't fully understand. Uh, how to use all of the new ideas that they have for this game, as well as how to pace out a story that, while they're both technically crime dramas, they're very different kinds of crime dramas. So... Yeah, so that's what I've been playing. P5 Strikers and Judgment.
0: Um... I don't judge you.
1: Well, you shouldn't. Um...
0: Budai has a question for us based on recent news.
1: <laughs> uh, is Anthem comically tragic, or should we care more? Uh, I would feel I would feel bad about laughing about it if there was an indication that a huge swath of the Bioware team had been let go over it. But it seems like they're just being reassigned at this stage. Yeah. So Where yeah, now it's just comically tragic. Oh, this is in the Twitch chat.
2: I, I mean, which. Tragic comedy? Are we talking about?
1: Uh, so there was a oh, there was uh, you. You might not have had to keep up with this because I don't think that there's any presence for this uh, in Japan. Uh, Bioware made a Destiny-style game called Anthem a few years back. It came out. It was irrevocably broken from word one. They said we're going to try to fix it, but we don't know what's going to happen. And then just today they were like, "Yeah, we we've given up."
0: So. Yeah, it's kind of an, it's an anthem. unfortunate situation because they were kind of forced to rush it out when they wanted to, you know, they
1: were forced to make that kind of game. They were forced to rush it out. There was just a lot of yeah. like the tragedies are all at this point kind of in the past because it's all stuff that's like this shouldn't have happened in the first place. Mm. But like abandoning the project and like honestly, I probably would have abandoned it earlier. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was just kind of too broken, like, at its core to fix. Um, but yeah, as for, like, killing it now, it, it is, I admit, kind of funny. Uh, we'll see if I keep laughing when the new Mass Effects and Dragon Age come out, just to see, like... If that's just going to be a continuing tragedy, or if Anthem dying uh, allowed them to live, we'll find out.
0: Yeah. We shall see. <coughs> was but, I going to say I,
1: I do think that not continuing to throw good money in man hours after bad was probably the correct choice. Well, we
0: can now mm-hmm. say that the Stadia outlived Anthem, which is I did not expect.
1: Oh man, do we want to talk about the Stadia thing that happened this week? Because it's incredible. Yes, please. <laughs> So this will be some fun education for you guys. (laughs) Uh So uh, Google, uh, as was mentioned like a month or so ago, they shuttered all internal development on Stadia projects. They killed the studios that they had purchased in preparation to do so. Uh, Like that's that's just all shuttered, no more of that. So before they shuttered internal development, they released a game called... uh, Journey to the Savage Planet, which people might recognize as a game that came out on everything else like a year ago, uh, mm-hmm. so sometimes closer to two years ago. Basically, this game's been out for a while. Stadia version comes out; it's broken. Uh, it crashes constantly. It's horrible. Bad version. Uh, the people, uh, the they, there's no one to fix it because, as it turns out, the original developer got dispersed because google decided they didn't want make want internal games development anymore so no more no more team to actually fix it no team to issue a patch no post development uh, most no post launch support so uh however that game had a different publisher before google bought that studio and every time that someone calls into google asking hey your game's busted what do i do Google's help desk starts sending them to the publisher of the original other versions. <laughs> oh no! Five oh five games. Five oh five games starts releasing these increasingly consternated responses to people asking their help desk saying, "Please send your your questions back to Google help desk, and please, please, please remind them." that they've released that version of the game and they own it. And they're the ones that are supposed to know how to fix it. And there's just so much in that just about how Google bought a studio and forgot they'd done so. <laughs> and forgot that they published that version. Like the, the left hand, not knowing what the right hand is doing there is Truly incredible. Like, a degree of overtness that I don't know that we'll ever see again. (laughs) I hope we don't see it again. But, I don't think Amazon's given up either. They might have. I don't know what's going on with Amazon's uh, Luna at this stage.
0: Well, I think that one's a little bit better thought out than... Oh, that's like a service rather than trying to sell you like you're a
1: console. So. That's at least different. Although I do seem to recall, like recently, some sort of uh, some sort of issue came up about the fact that, like, Amazon, like the people internally leading development on first-party Amazon games, uh, have never worked in video games and have no idea what they're uh, uh, yes. have no idea what they're asking people to do. Sounds uh, about normal. Yeah, it's uh, it's about what you expect. Oh, um,
0: Owen, oh, uh, just uh, remind me who the director of that game, Journey to the Savage Journey Planet. The Savage Planet
1: is. That Journey to the Savage Planet man is the Assassin's Creed Three director,
0: our favorite game director,
1: <laughs> most recently brought into the public eye because he was uh, yelling about how uh, streamers should have to purchase a license to stream games. Uh, and then uh, was notably called out because he had uh, stolen his Twitter banner from a fan. <laughs> to uh... buy a license for that uh, fan art of Journey to the Savage Planet.
0: Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's Friday of the week. Yes. Uh, if you want to actually stream games, I still highly recommend Game Pass. Cause Game then you Pass
1: can... is definitely the best option on Cause... offer, both for its streaming and non-streaming yeah. options.
0: So you get the, both of, the best of both worlds for a good price. I swear I don't work for Microsoft. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just play one on TV right now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so that's our. Uh... Oh, I need to actually pull up the big list of questions yeah. now. Actually.
0: While you're doing that, I just wanted to mention: do you, do you remember those old like Mac and PC commercials? Yes. I'm a Mac. Do? I'm a PC. Yeah. Yes. So I saw it wasn't exactly like that, but I saw something not too long ago comparing. It was a commercial comparing like the Microsoft Surface to like the MacBook, and about how yeah. it has a lot more cooler features and stuff and I just found it amusing how the roles have kind of switched at this point
1: I mean the Surface is honestly like if I were in the market for that kind of
0: computer it would be the one I would be looking at. It's a much more inventive and forward thinking laptop like something that Apple would have made back in the day Uh
1: Okay. Uh, the big question list is probably actually in our back—not ch- the our Q and A quest uh, chat somewhere. I just need to find it. I think you—I uh, think Ai-jen had made a big uh, a text document to contain it.
2: Well, I've still got that.
1: If you'd like. Yeah, to. I just—I need to get hold of a copy so that I can keep track as well. Yeah.
2: Where, is that? Where to put the thing? Oh, there we go. So, not sure which ones you guys covered while I wasn't here.
1: Uh, I don't think we've touched ones while you're gone. Yeah, so.
0: yeah I think we just. Not too
1: bad, because number thirteen is one I could not possibly talk about.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: well, if you can re-upload the list because I'm a scatterbrain, that would be nice.
0: What is number thirteen? Uh, it has to do with Elder Scrolls. Oh, uh, God. I don't think any of us actually care about that. I might,
1: I might be capable. I, I have been in in communication. Uh, I've played some Elder Scrolls, and I have been in communication with many Elder Scrolls fans. I have some authority to speak. Thank you.
2: Well, I mean, number 13 is, I always get bored faster playing Skyrim than when I played Morrowind. If Elder Scrolls Six is smaller but more detailed than Skyrim, would this make it more interesting? Yes. Oh, I think so.
0: Yes, and okay. yes. probably Mer- yes. Murrowind, I think, is the most interesting in the series, just because... Me, Murphy, went. It's not That's... generic fantasy. It's actually got its own... Well, it, there's probably it some fantasy... It, it's such a brown game. Yeah, there's probably some fantasy it actually pulls from, but it's... It's pulling from less uh, obvious fantasy. Y- right. It's, you got, like, giant mushrooms and stuff, and, like, all the dwarves are apparently dead, so you... To be fair, that's continued from prior Elder Scrolls, but yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's one thing I always found interesting, is you get to explore all their old ruins.
1: Yeah, I, I I just think that like pulling from less obvious fantasy tropes is one of the reasons that people love Morrowind, but I think it's also why they shy away from doing that again, because I think they think that it's less marketable. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, hopefully they'll be a little more adventurous on setting in Elder Scrolls 6, but I think it's also, yeah... Just, just scale back like i i think we've even started to see like rockstar start to like i don't think that red dead redemption 2 is like a huge massive like way bigger than red dead uh way bigger than gta 5 because it just it just doesn't make any sense like yeah you need to some extent the player needs to have a certain be able to keep a fair amount of the map in working memory and that's what causes that familiarity and that interest in like finding new crannies of the map so once you get to a certain
0: size it's like oh
1: lord I don't want to deal with this.
0: Yeah, I think we're definitely finally past the era of everyone has to have the biggest open world that's boring as hell. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Just make
1: everything interesting, make everything a landmark. But yeah.
0: Which is funny uh, because we had we had Breath of the Wild, which has an absolutely massive It's massive, world, but, but, but it's, it's also detailed. Calculated. Yes.
1: It doesn't feel like it was made massive just because it needs to be mass, massive.
0: Yeah. So. But I'm I'm just glad. What I'm saying is I'm just glad people aren't trying to copy the wrong things from that. Like for yeah. for example, uh, Immortals, which obviously is heavily inspired by that, doesn't feel like it's an overly large world. It it it's got that same more calculated feel.
1: Yeah, which. Is really the thing I want people to steal from Breath of the Wild, like, yeah. make your own thing, but like, steal that design sense of like, you can scale back, people won't be mad at you, if everything's, if things are memorable, people will like it more yeah <laughs> uh, yeah uh, I don't know if Bethesda's the company that'll do that, but I hope unlikely. so, unlikely <laughs> <laughs> they've got Microsoft yelling at them, who knows what'll happen that's
0: true, you know, that's that's true yeah, you know, hopefully they'll have Microsoft's QA department uh, or a QA department.
1: It's not that they don't have a QA department. I would, from all I've heard, <laughs> I know. The, I know. Uh, the Bethesda QA department is actually very good. It's just that Bethesda ignores them. Yeah.
0: What they're willing to ship is hellish. Um, we're we're just still burnt by uh, Hunted, the Demon Forge. Yeah. <laughs> soul still burns um yeah uh
1: here here's one that we can all sink our teeth into would you recommend saga for anyone who has just dipped their toes into jrpgs
0: oh that's a wonderful question
1: very dependent on the game uh still probably wouldn't be a just dip my toes in game but um uh, I think there are ones that are, like, if you've just started to get into them and you're uh, interested in, like, a different kind of one, that's a decent choice. Collection of
0: Saga. Yeah.
1: Collection of Sagas. Say. Those games are relatively simple. Uh, I have a friend who uh, despises all other Saga games but loves Frontier 2.
2: Huh. Which is an interesting one to have as your favorite, but sure, why not? You do you, I dude. think it's
1: because it's more story-based.
2: <laughs> well, true, but it's also highly nonlinear in a chronological fashion.
1: Yeah, but that's not, that's, that's different. That's a different kind of weird, like, I think that's the other thing that makes it such a complicated question to answer, because it's like, well, what did they want? Because like th- this person loves like weird high concept fantasy books.
2: Okay, I can so see
1: that, but... Frontier Two kind of scratches that itch for him, I think. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think it becomes like it's it's a little complicated, but yeah, uh, the the early ones are all quite simple. I mean. They, they could be quite random in a way that can be frustrating to people, but, I mean, like, if you just want to play a simple, relatively easy-to-understand game, those first couple Saga games, real simple.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Just uh, maybe don't play, just don't use monsters. That's it.
2: <laughs> and read and do your homework on how to use robots. Yes.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, robots are relatively important. It's simple to suss out how they work, at the very least.
2: Yeah, but if you're doing trial and error to figure out what gives the best bonuses, yeah, like you just want a uh, chart of what parts are good.
3: (laughs)
1: Yeah, but yeah, um, I I would say the those would work just fine. Uh, Honestly, like if someone was really interested in like a very unique experience probably menstrual song would also be a decent one
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah it would i uh, hope that's uh on the list of remasters in the near future Oh mean
3: we probably
1: if
0: they're doing them. frontier it
1: feels like the logical next step is frontier 2 and uh menstrual song
0: well there's a there's a game before menstrual song <laughs> (laughs) you're forgetting i was about to say we might see a complete (laughs) overhaul of unlimited
1: i'm not sure if they have the budget to do that but i'd be interested in seeing what came out of that
0: i really think it doesn't need a ton
1: (coughs) to be playable to be playable yes but i feel like it's the kind of thing that you would never take a light hand in remastering
2: technically it is playable it's just not always comprehensible
1: sure (laughs) True. <laughs> True. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, those are those are the easy ones to bring up. Like I, I think that there's a fair few that like. I think part of the reason that Saga consternates people so much is that they're used to other RPGs, so. Yeah. If you're just if dipping
0: you're... your toes in, then it might, then you might just be fine because it's just you know you're just learning new mechanics. That's all.
1: Yeah, that, that that sort of skill, that sort of like skill increase system is actually more common in Western RPGs. So, mm-hmm. that's basically, how Elder Scrolls operates, and it honestly does it way worse. So, <laughs> <laughs> let's all talk about the completely busted ass backwards leveling of Oblivion, or maybe we won't. Uh,
0: Game is kind of boring.
1: <laughs> uh, so boring. You say that about
0: all of them. Uh, no, no the the combat in Skyrim is at least okay. In, in Elder Scrolls, it was just in Oblivion, even. Uh, yes, in Oblivion.
1: I, I mean, I, I would say that the combat Morrowind is irredeemable, but yes,
0: yeah, not good. It's not but you not would good. argue
1: that it has redeeming values elsewhere. Yes.
0: Yeah. Not a lot, but. I mean, at this point, you're probably either paying like ten bucks on Xbox Live or getting it free for game from Game Pass. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's, it's something, something that, that I think is
1: important to tool around with as like an interesting relic of days gone past. Yeah. Uh.
0: uh
1: to to move into other. Uh, questions Uh, 18 some developer decided to make a Lunar sequel what is the bare minimum for it to be just as good as Lunar 2 for me to be 12 when I play it (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I don't know that you could make something as earnest as Lunar 2 at this stage because everyone would seem that you're just being um, generic like, I I love Lunar 2, I don't know like, it's it's really hard to calculate out how to do a really earnest feeling throwback that doesn't feel burdened by the need to feel like an old game. Like, we've seen that happen time and time again I keep punching I keep using Tokyo RPG Factory as a punching bag, and I don't mean to, but they... Feel the games they produce are throwbacks that feel burdened by the need to be throwbacks. Yeah,
0: they're all very good, but everyone you can feel looks the poorly need. at them because you're comparing them to what they're drawing from, and they aren't yeah, as good as those. I feel like
1: the best Lunar 3 would not be called Lunar 3. It would just take inspiration from that sense of, let's just make a game about adventure and really earnest, like, chuny teenager shit
2: (laughs) like grandia yeah
1: yeah because grandia is basically lunar 3 yeah and you know i i think that just continuing on like because there aren't a lot of games that are like that at this stage there weren't even a lot of games like that in like the early ops like the last time i got that feel from a game was like skies of arcadia
0: (laughs) wait hold hold the phone we we got a third lunar game No, we didn't. Um, (laughs) What does this talk about if there were a third Lunar game? I I have it right near me, actually. Do I have to detonate your head (laughs) from afar?
1: (laughs) Do I have to, like, question why you own a copy of Lunar Walking School? Uh, No, it's not that one. I don't
0: know what else you could be talking about. It's for your Nintendo DS system. That doesn't exist. In fact, the name... Uh, matches the d and the s oh lunar
1: genesis wait
0: no that sucked it's... dragon song yes yeah no it was lunar... called lunar genesis lunar perhaps. dog
1: shit so there's a game that somehow feels nothing like lunar one but it's patterned after it in such a, to such a severe degree that when i found out what its plot was i was angry <laughs> it was... Dragon Song's twist turns out to be oh, your g- girlfriend was Althena again. Uh, fuck that game. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that you were the, the that it was uh, before Lunar One. Isn't that exciting? No, it's not. What if before Lunar One the exact same thing happened except there was more racism against humans and beast men?
2: Basically, there are a whole bunch of games that have made things similar to the Lunar without bothering with the name and are better for it. Let's just leave the answer at that.
3: Yeah. Like,
2: I'm, my brain is just coming up with more and more games that really could feel like a Lunar game, except they didn't bother
1: naming it like that. Yeah, the Lunar name does not uh, would not benefit. It would just create the burden of expectation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I just, and uh, thankfully uh, Tam comes in to chime in as well. The the third lunar is an abomination that needs to be burned, and I don't know why we all can, uh, own such heresy. Uh,
0: Mainly to raz us. Well, I, I, w- I was buying some games uh, from someone on a forum you and I are a part of, and it was that was yes. one of the games he was selling, and was just like, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> I don't know. Did you did you pay more than five bucks for it? Um, I got a very good deal, so I feel like this is because you should have been paid to good take That's <laughs> like be taking hold of a cursed object. Well, more importantly, I got a copy of Wild Arms Alter Code F at a decent uh, price.
1: At least a decent game. Yeah. I was expecting you to say Crossfire, but. <laughs>
0: No, I've I've had that one for a long time and I haven't gotten around to it like I have in most of that series. And again, like I was telling you, I now have the entire series except the easiest to find game in the series for some reason.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's weird.
2: I
1: haven't gotten around to that one yet because it's too easy. Also, yes, Crossfire is actually pretty good and it's also kind of the last Wild Arms game, so at least it went out on a high note.
0: Yeah. That came out yeah. after five?
1: Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Oh, weird. There's a mobile game, but we don't count
0: those. Uh, yeah, I've been meaning to try it because um one of the Z guys, I think the 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 programmer guy is a big fan of it and I always see him bringing it up. Frostbine? Yep. Yeah, it's uh
1: it's it's neat. Uh, I remember I was looking at uh every so often I check in on the unsung story Kickstarter. Uh, because I didn't contribute to it because I saw red flags in its initial pitch, but they're like the team that has taken it up, I have respect for the amount of work that they have put into trying to make that project work. And one of the things I was looking up recently was like I saw when triangle strategy was announced, I saw people saying, like they should have made that game. Have you actually uh, fight on triangles? <laughs> and I was reminded, <laughs> Of uh, I was reminded that the initial pitch for Unsung Story had you fighting on triangles.
0: Oh my god.
1: (laughs) And that was thrown out by the current developer because it presented a ton of problems. And one of the things they talked about was like it makes the art really restrictive and there are ways to work around that. And they brought up Wild Arms Crossfire's like hex based look as like a way that you can make your entire art direction work for that. But that was not uh, the path that they wanted to take with Unsung Story. So they were going to end up dropping that for a more traditional square grid that was more artistically uh, easy to work with. Yeah. Crossfire is a good game. Um, let's see. Budai says uh, the, he thought the DS game was okay. The and Sui- DS game was okay yep,
0: That game's fine. It just suffers from...
1: The weight of expectation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfectly good game. Uh, I think people will probably feel a little less angry about it, both because it's been a very long time and because there is a proper Suikoden successor currently in development.
0: Which... Yeah. I mean, I can, you can see... St- you know, Konami was trying to do something with that series without the original creator there, and you know, this wasn't as good. What are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, I mean, like they they they've
1: been trying to do that for multiple games, and I mean, at least uh, at least it wasn't Sui Coden Four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And Suikoden Five is really good and is without the original creator. That's kind of the one where they really got uh really got it to work uh but you can also tell that Konami was terrified of advancing that series as like meta plot, so they kept like going back in time to try to push it off, seemingly hoping that they could get Maruyama to come back to at least pen another game, and that sort of never happened. But hey, tear crease is still better looking better than the uh, what I saw of the p s p woven web of a century which looked like hot garbage when I looked at up, so maybe it's not as bad as it looked, but it's not a great looking game. <laughs> yeah uh, see.
0: more questions off the big list, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you
1: have any so. games you love that are neither excelling at any particular aspect nor appealing in, uh, in, to some other thing that you like hmm. Hmm. hmm hmm it's an interesting question like games that are just eh, I just like this for some reason
0: <laughs> um, some neptunia games <laughs> <laughs> do you mean the ones Please that don't, don't judge state? me The what? Yes. You mean the ones that don't involve Sting? Because
1: that's appealing to something you
0: like. (laughs) Yes, the ones that don't involve Sting. (laughs) Let's see.
1: Uh, Like, if I'm a fan of the genre, there's a certain amount of warmth I will feel to just a competent interpretation of it. Uh, Take that back. (laughs) Sam says,
0: you take that back. Neptunia is our lord and savior. I didn't say anything bad about it. <laughs> you implied bad. things, but... Uh... Listen, Idea Factory is not a studio that makes five out of five games. So I'll be honest here. It doesn't happen. Yeah. They're uh, they're incapable.
1: <laughs> I think to, to drag this back to something that we actually just... Uh, uh tam just says agreed but uh, i think to bring this back to something we were actually just discussing uh wild arms 3 is a game that i would not say is excellent in any particular regard but i think it's good at a lot of things such that it has no particular weaknesses and i just end up being happy when i'm playing it
0: Mm. yeah i'm i think probably play that 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 could be the kind of game
1: that i really enjoy
0: I'm ready for to finally <coughs> play through some Wild Arms games. <laughs> you played through one. Yep. Really love one.
1: Uh, one. One is another one that I'm like, I'm very fond of this. There's not a lot special about it.
0: <laughs> um, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I know if you, when you, when it transitions to a battle, you're most people will be like what the hell is this <laughs> I mean but... that was
1: very impressive at the time just uh, to uh, have 3D battles but yeah
0: I, I don't know if there were other RPGs that did this, this this at the time but I liked the mix of like puzzle dungeons with like a traditional JRPG
1: yeah the the puzzle dungeons are interesting I don't feel like they're really that great in wild arms one is the
0: thing no but
1: it, I feel like they got better as time went on yeah. like i would say that they're not anything super special in one
0: yeah but just that and like the 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 wild west motif just uh changes it up enough to give it its own style and that's fair
1: although i don't that's the other thing is I don't feel like Wild Arms One huge very strongly to the Wild
0: West motif. No, it's 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 like a. I don't even want to say it's, it's such a, motif. a weird hodgepodge. Yeah, uh, aesthetic. It's 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 yeah. It's kind of just like an art style more than it is anything about like the actual setting.
1: Yeah, I just I just mean like I, I don't see that much of it. It feels like there's Wild West in it, which was unique for the time, but there's not actually any more of it than there is like uh traditional fantasy RPG.
0: Yeah, you still got like kingdoms and magic and the castles. Kingdoms of Adel Hut. Like yeah, I, mean, I would
1: honestly say that's a much more overriding aesthetic than yeah. Wild West. Yeah, I mean than Wild
2: Arms three where the aesthetic was split through is between regular fantasy uh Wild West and Cthulhu mythos.
1: Yeah, I would say three hews much more to the Wild West aesthetic and is part of why I think that game's very charming. I know. I
2: just love the way it started off with all four main characters breaking into the same train car to steal the same item, and then that's going, "Okay, a, now get to choose intro.
1: backstories." Yeah, like as intros go, I think that's probably the strongest setup that they ever had to just like, why are why did these four end up competitively train robbing? God damn it! Why so, are you yes. guys
0: trying to make me want to play Wild Arms Three?
1: Three is really good. Like three, it was like a game. Yeah, like. It's not like I said. It is not a game where any one part of it is like this is an overridingly unique feature that nothing else has, other than perhaps the aesthetic. But the it, it's put together in a very it's it's put together in a very good fashion. And yeah, so, I remember
2: reading one pretty good online essay about how the way Wild Arms Three introduced its villains was mm-hmm. actually like a textbook way of doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> every villain has a. a first appearance a second appearance that makes you hate them more and then a third appearance where they die pretty
1: much <laughs> yeah and it's kind of an arc-based game so it works i yeah. think the game actually has like an evolving opening depending upon where your save is yes it does actually it's really neat. and
2: and yeah it sounds kind of silly with the three times for each um, villain but the game's got like literally three to four stages of villains evolving across the the plot. Yeah. yeah so literally evolving in two cases
1: Two or
0: three cases, yeah. Well, that's one I can play on my PS4, so I'm gonna play that soon. Yes,
1: yeah, that's really good. I fully recommend it. Um, two is the favorite in my heart. It's even more of a hodgepodge uh, aesthetic than one, but yes, and and much more of a hodgepodge when
2: you consider the translation.
1: Yeah. I still it's remember time.
2: in college, I had a friend who had Wild Arms 2 and he couldn't make much sense of it so he just had me play through it and explain
1: the story to him. Care for word of torture.
0: Yeah, yep. I, I really wish I had even known Wild Arms 2 existed back in the day because honestly I had no idea there was a sequel.
1: Yeah, yeah it was one of those things I think I just saw it in like a Toys R Us and I was like, oh, I have to have this.
2: Yeah. Anyway, I'm giving up on Saga 2 for the evening.
1: After. <laughs> fair, enough, fair
2: enough. Well, I managed to reach it to self-destruct mode four times, but didn't have anybody else alive at the time. Oof. Yeah. And the one super revive item I have, whoever had it ended up getting knocked out with Masamune first every single time.
3: Mm.
2: And almost nobody could survive fl- multiple flares. That seems like a problem. Yeah. So. actually half the party couldn't survive one flare that was the issue
1: But I throws an interesting question into the chat do people often overrate their first RPG my first RPG was Mystic Quest so yes <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: my well, first... Mystic Quest was very good for what it was my brother yeah. was seven years old when he played it he really enjoyed it so. yeah about the same he the it a day there. and a half but he he was only seven it's understandable it was
1: it was it's it's it is a game that does exactly what it sets out to do and if it's measured by those standards it's fair yeah. oh yeah
2: i mean it. it that's exactly what it is. it's meant to be a
1: my first rpg yeah and budai response to this discussion with mystic quest is a good game dang it we agree we agree. it is it's very yes, good it is it's it's
2: just it's not what everyone else was expecting coming off of Final Fantasy 2. Yes,
0: it's not what I was expecting when I asked my parents to rent me Final Fantasy 2. <laughs> that's no, that's, that's how the I one first... the
1: subtitle, so it must be Final Fantasy 2.
0: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> how I ended up playing Mystic Quest. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I, I think my first RPG was Dragon Quest, and obviously... I don't know that that's necessarily overrated, but I like to think that my first real RPG was Final Fantasy Legend, which is not overrated, and I will hear no arguments on the matter. Thank you.
1: It's a good game. It's a good game. Is it a mess
0: at times? Yes, but I don't care. Yes.
1: I think uh, something worth mentioning about this is just that, like, you, you'll definitely see some of this, but I think it, the degree can be overstated because usually people aren't pulled into genres by games that are outward, overtly and outwardly bad. Mm. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's this to a degree, but I think it's true of just about everything.
0: Yeah. I mean, I still see people loving Star Ocean 3, and I have to assume that it was just their first RPG.
1: At the very least, their first Star Ocean. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh,
0: it was my first Star Ocean. Other than some damn, brief time with the ROM of the first one.
1: Damn, it's stumping for Star Ocean 4, and I'm less angry at that one, but I, I can't say I understand.
0: I hear it has a good uh, battle system.
1: It does, it does.
0: Uh, see. And you can play that on your Xbox.
1: Yes, you can, for some reason. You can't play it on your PS4, though.
0: Because they made that one backwards compatible instead of Last Remnant, and I'm still angry about it.
1: Uh, I still need to pick up Last Remnant and remaster it.
0: Yeah. See.
1: But to finish out uh, something that was brought up in the. Uh, big question list uh a question from Fireminer that was a follow-up to the last one on that topic which game does the evil is mundane uh trope uh, trope the best my money is on papers please but if i want something actually fun i would choose dungeon keeper i will note that one of those you're playing is the mundane evil and one of those you are uh or at least one of those you're playing as the head of the Mundane Evil, and one of those you're playing as a grunt in the Mundane Evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, like, part of the reason that Evil is Mundane is a hard thing to pull off in a video game is that usually you want the player to feel some sense of triumph in uh, fi- in finishing, uh, like... You, you've you dismantled the evil in some fashion and usually evil is mundane revolves around the idea that evil is systemic so it uh it becomes very hard to structure a game where you destroy a systemic evil
0: <laughs> yeah mm.
1: uh, i'm trying to think of games that do it uh
0: I think of... In a
1: way where it still remains mundane. Because like I'm thinking of like what ha- what games can I think of where you like a system and all I can think of is Ace Attorney Six <laughs>
0: uh, spoilers. Yeah,
1: the thing but... I
0: keep thinking of is the race of bureaucrats in um Hitchhiker's Kind of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, really the guns.
1: yeah. Should have filed a form about that. <laughs> but yeah, like the, to, to do mundanity of evil you have to have evil hiding behind a system basically and even uh like usually if a game wants to do that then the systemic evil is also a cataclysmic evil which is why you get something like ff7 which has a lot about systemic evil but that systemic evil controls the planet and is a complete cataclysm of like this will destroy all of life as we know it if it's allowed to continue for even a moment longer
2: <laughs> okay well d- very different sort of systemic evil from final fantasy final fantasy tends literal mm. cultural death cult yeah that's a good one. yeah i mean it yeah i mean this it's the underpinning of the entire game it it's story plot everything is the fact that uh, modern spirit is one big happy literal uh, millennialist death cult.
1: Yeah, and I would say that that uh, that would be a fair uh concept. Like the, the only reason that that one didn't spring to mind is that like the death cult also turns out to be run by ghosts. But
2: yeah, but it's it's something it's, that's supported by the population. And it's understood that I mean everyone, everyone except Titus knows exactly what's going to happen at the end of the pilgrimage,
1: yeah. and the pilgrims themselves
2: are on board with this because they think it's the only way to go.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a that's a good one. One of the other things I appreciate is uh, an acknowledgement of how this kind of system exists. That in uh, in ten two, just because so much seems like it should have like instantly disproved it it doesn't change the fact that people still cling to Yevon like yes. there is still a new Yevon that is still trucking along yeah it's less popular than it was but it's still around
2: <laughs> let see that's something I wish they had played around with more in that game
1: yeah it's very much a side note in that game yeah
2: yeah there was just a really in- I mean just the evolution of the setting was very interesting to look at in Ten Two, and just really awful to work through uh,
1: yeah it's it's an interesting concept that doesn't really get approached with the depth that i might have liked but it's still nice that it's there
2: oh wait a minute here we go but we can go back go down to number 25 going from here which element of in final fantasy 10 has aged the worst
1: uh i've like there's a lot of things that i don't like about it but they're mostly things that were always with it um but something that has aged the worst would probably be it's
2: its approach to super mega optional bosses
1: oh yeah no that's that's trash and was trash from the day it was released but was less acknowledged as trash from the day it was released so
2: I mean in in its favor I mean, the idea of a post-game save bonus material was much less normalized at that time. Yeah, so
1: Square has generally gotten better about how to access their bonus material. So that's something. Uh, otherwise, I mean, like you know, it's it's not as pretty as it once was, but it's still a good-looking game. It's got strong yeah. art direction, uh, yeah. like. Beefs that I had with it are beefs that I had with it from yeah. you know the time that it was new, basically, where it's like eh, this. Yeah. doesn't really hang together how I would like it. but
2: yeah well, that and having all of Kimari's blue magic abilities being special trance abilities instead of, you know, regular spells like everyone yeah, else
1: like Kimari, there's not really a space for him in the party dynamic, and it's such a rigid rigid party dynamic. I mean, there is until Aaron comes in and snipes
2: his primary.
1: Yeah, um, like Aaron gets piercing on all his weapons, and he's like stronger anyway. So it's like, well, I guess, I guess there's no place yeah, for him anymore.
2: I mean, yeah, that's why I wish that they hadn't made his blue um, Kamari's blue magic the way they did, because he had he would be much much better as a support character if he could actually do some of those support skills more often.
1: Yeah, that just, just doesn't happen much, so he ends up being like either a worse version of someone else or just a battery to sit around in uh, near Ultima so that Lulu can use a friend's spear to get back to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there's not a lot that I would say, like, has aged incredibly poorly. It's just stuff that was kind of greater or lesser irksome when it was new. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't think a lot of the area designs and dungeons are that great. They're
1: very, very hyperlinear. Like they're 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 kind of what people uh, talk about FF13 having, except that it has the good sense to occasionally look like it's turning. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that um, I remember. Actually, I think I did. In, did I write something about this once? About. Um, one of the smart things that Final Fantasy X did was it chose a pilgrimage narrative that forced the party to keep going in this very much a set route.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, very smart. And it, it, um, I mean, there's that, and or Dragon Quest VIII's prolonged chase plot for like the first half of the game, mm-hmm. where it's you're constantly in forward motion because you know exactly where you're going.
1: Yeah, like you're just following wherever wherever they say the next leg of the journey is in both of those. Yeah. And
2: it's, oh. it's set up in a way that you were expecting to keep going and keep going, whereas Final Fantasy XIII broke it across multiple points of view. It never really clearly explained why anybody was doing anything for the first two-thirds of the game.
0: And also there was no context to any of the areas you were in. Yes. They're kind of and of no assets. connection between them either. Yep. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Like, XIII's big problem is that it's a game constructed out of assets. So they had to, like, make weird sudden jumps which makes it feel less like a journey whereas 10 can manage to get away with it because it's like there's a smooth transition from area to area most of the time and it's like notable when it's not so Uh, a lot in the execution there um would i asking in chat what are uh why are western rpgs more open to letting players save anywhere to jrpgs what are the advantages and disadvantages of this Uh, i would imagine a
2: lot of it was mechanical at first
1: some of it was mechanical but i think it's also a lot to do with the fact that like the uh the less structured uh traditional western rpg style if we're looking at like say an infinity engine era rpg or that sort of thing you kind of need to be able to you don't know as much about where a player has been or where they're going. So you need to let them just make the decision themselves.
2: Of course, let's not forget that the first RPGs in Japan to offer Save Anywhere function were Saga games. Yeah. For Game Boy.
3: (laughs) So, uh... yeah.
2: So, I mean, we, we can look at, like, for example, Dragon Quest, where it's very obviously half the reason it was done was because of the whole save and the survival part but i mean a lot of it from at least from the famicom had to was almost certainly had to do more with mechanical aspects
1: yeah like, like i say i think i think part of the, the like dragon quest one i think you can only save at the king yes and like that was probably done to make sure that the password stayed short yeah
2: yeah i mean that those games didn't that only came out a little while after passwords were no longer necessary.
1: I think for... they came out a little while before. Because, like, the disk system you could save on, but the battery backup saves in Japan had not really been invented when Dragon Quest came out. So, yeah, I mean, there's... And then,
2: at least for Final Fantasy, you can say that a lot of the save point stuff is just a holdover
1: in tradition at this point. Yeah. Yeah. 10 points out Fizanadu was still using passwords Goddammit! damn it go. uh, but, uh,
2: and, and of course occasionally you get fun things like Chrono Cross and Xenogears where the save points are actual plot
1: important elements I think I think Masato Kato was just obsessed with that idea for a couple years because he just wrote yeah. those two games back to back
2: Yeah, I mean I, I like the idea of like yeah. literally people are reporting to fate
1: in yeah, Chrono I Cross it turns
2: out fate is the villain But yeah,
1: um, so
2: what I was going to say about I I know I know the Metal Max series continues with, or or continued with save points, until Metal Max Four, just out of tradition because of needing the setup.
1: But yeah, I think the I think the thought process for why these happened, at least as a design concept, was that they modulated pace, like you could. Make a reasonable determination of, like, if you're going from X save point to Y save point, that, like, Z events happened in between, and you have, like, a reasonable idea of how long it took the player and what they were, uh, like, what they've just experienced. So, like, you get into this situation where it's, like, you can make some determination about how much of the experience they've had as a minimum and that can be useful for pacing out a game. Uh, uh yeah, and then like would I bring up uh the the Dragon Quest has a degree of resource management, which was also like, you know that 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 can also be a reason that you don't give people the chance to that uh, you don't give people the chance to save wherever they want because so they can save oh, themselves yeah. save in a place where they're fucked. Save well, not even just save scumming, scumming, but they can also save themselves in a place where they're fucked.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I've done that a few times with Saga games.
1: Yeah, Saga, saga will let you do that. Yeah. Saga will give you enough rope, rope to hang yourself. Yep. Uh, and Budai bringing up uh, Souls Checkpoints and, like, that's the, that is the, Archetype of pacing out how much a player has had to go through from place to place.
0: Yeah. Although, to be fair, that's not actually a save point. You can. Yeah, it saves almost constantly. Basically,
1: every time your soul amount changes, it saves. But I've Mm -hmm. never seen someone who stops anywhere but bonfires.
0: I have. That's weird. You're weird.
1: (laughs) But. Yeah, uh, you know, like the, those checkpoints are placed in a very deliberate fashion uh, to modulate how uh, the player interacts with the game, and that's you know, it's like it or le- like it or not, it does uh, reflect intention intentionality on the developers' part about how the game was meant to be approached, and I think that that's part of why these kinds of uh, save concept stuck around for so long. You're starting, I'm seeing them disappear over time. Like, uh, I think it was through like Yakuza Four or Five, which was like a both were mid to late era PS3 games that you still had to go find a phone booth to save. <laughs> and the metaphor for you being able to save anywhere was just that your character had a cell phone. <laughs> uh... uh that that like there there are definitely games that were just sort of doing it because that's how you do things, but uh Man, does even Dragon Quest eleven
0: autosave now?
1: I think that might be like the big holdout at this stage.
0: I think it does, I think when you move to new areas.
1: Yeah, it has some autosave systems. Yeah. So like even Dragon Quest doesn't require you to go to a church to save anymore, I don't think. It,
0: it doesn't, but it doesn't work anywhere, but they have a lot more save points than past games. Like there's those statues you can find out in the wilderness. And And
1: of course, Dragon Quest ever since it's been a portable game also had the quick saves that you could make. So,
0: And those are pretty generous too. It's not like the quick save some games do where it immediately deletes it when you load it up. You can keep reusing it. So, I've used yeah, that no, it's, to it's kind like of, a, anyway. Yeah, I've used that to like stage myself near a tough boss fight and so I can retry it a few times without having to trudge all the way back to a boss fight.
1: Uh, Pudai asking Dragon Quest never really had a game over function. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if that's a question, but yeah, there's never been a Dragon Quest other than like 11 if you're playing it like a ridiculous human being who <laughs> might spin around a lot. Um,
0: Whatever do you mean? You <laughs> know.
1: Uh, yeah, I think you'd still lose half your gold in 11, but I don't actually think I checked because I usually got real pissed off when I died. Uh, but. <clears throat>
3: uh, let's see.
1: Okay.
2: anything else do we want to just scroll way down and look at something down in the weeds
1: sure sure let's take one more like random one
2: here we go number 77 how many story, story related dumb things can an RPG have and still be considered a good game or in other words how do Tales games keep getting away with it?
1: <laughs> uh, because they are t- character-based rather than plot-based. Yeah. Yes. And that's true of most JRPGs, if we're being honest. And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, people will forgive a lot if they like watching the characters.
0: Mm-hmm. Or if the game mechanics are that damn good.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you'll get plenty of plenty of people play RPGs that basically don't have stories because the mechanics are rich enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's
0: uh it's uh Tales of Graces. Yeah. You you close your mouth. There's nothing wrong there's no bad things in Tales of Graces.
1: Except the F chapter. <laughs> um, yes. Let's see, Tam sticks up. I love those characters and the battle system. Yeah, they're fun. I like them. So, <laughs> uh, I, I, I've never fully understood the argument that Graces has a particularly worse cast or story than yeah. uh, any of the ones around it, so... Mm-hmm fantasia though i'll talk shit about all day um <laughs> that and that's, that's to do a lot with the fact that i don't think the characters are very engaging so you know different strokes take it seriously as for Syria. uh the level up system in grace and stuff is, uh, with maybe pers- perfection with the way the titles work yeah. Hey Namco, can you port that to Switch? I'll trade you my copy of Vesperia Put <laughs> Grace's F on Switch
0: Which means they'll probably instead give us a collection of Zilia games oh, Aww, <laughs> don't do that to me <laughs> You know that's I the know thing they of- would do <laughs> Yeah, no. It, they don't seem to care... It was a big hit for them. They don't seem to care about the Destiny Remake lineage of the series. God, I love Destiny,
1: Destiny. Remake. Bring back Destiny Remake. MP is an outdated function. Entails, uh, hopefully. Correct.
0: Yes, I, I... still need to get around to... Persia. I have been preaching about this forever, about getting rid of MP in action RPGs. Preach. <laughs> or at least do something crazy with it,
1: like... Uh... The Kingdom Hearts system.
0: Yeah, you can't. Too many games try and just throw an, a turn based MP system into an action RPG, and it doesn't. A, a turn based, like, work. marathon system. Yeah.
1: Because, like, the, the concept of keeping hold of MP or spell charges or what have you is about, like, building around, building around the idea that you have to be choosy about when you use it. And right. that. You do that with an management. action Yeah, um, it's a resource management thing. And if you do that with an action RPG, you usually end up producing boring combat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So which is why I really like just the build up to better stuff
2: system in more modern RPGs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember romancing Saga minstrel song first thing. I was like, oh, cool. I don't actually have to worry about my MP or um, weapon points anymore. I just have to survive long enough to use this stuff. Yeah. Love Waza points. Yeah, but now it's all uh, battle points.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it, it's very common to sort of uh, try to retrofit a new, uh, an old system into your new design, and like sometimes you end up doing that far past the point where it didn't make sense to keep it anymore. Yeah,
0: they, mm-hmm. I mean that's the problem with the first Tails game is they basically took a turn-based RPG and made it an action game, and it doesn't really play very well.
1: It also doesn't write very well, or
0: talk very well. <laughs> doesn't um, do anything very well.
1: It had very impressive tech. Uh, uh, Vesperia and Abyss both had that issue where Graces didn't and was better for it, yeah.
0: yeah. But the, those Tales games, at least, like a lot of the... More modernish tales games at least give you the whole thing where using regular attacks refills your MP. So yeah, it's there is more some like of a balance push
1: pull there, even if I don't terribly think it works. It Doesn't <laughs> refill
0: fast enough.
1: In general, I should I would say that it should probably refill automatically and refill yes. faster if you're yes. being arrested. Uh that's that's armchair that's, designer talk.
0: No, it should be um, lots of games that have like the cooldown meter for skills. That's, in my opinion, the best approach for a lot of action games.
1: That's basically how Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep's command deck work, and that's yeah. pretty good.
0: So it it gives you it keeps the whole strategy of okay when do I use these skills because I can't just spam them endlessly. It. But,
1: the, the cooldown mechanic is interesting because it creates two. Uh, it creates a push pull of, I can't spam these endlessly, but if I'm just sitting on them, I'm actually. There's an opportunity cost in doing
0: that. Right, right. And
1: so I think that that can actually be really strong for an action RPG to. Because you, you want to. To keep the combat interesting, you want to press players to engage with the. Uh, with more than just, like, attack, attack, attack. Because, like, that's the issue that these games can run into, where you have an action RPG that's just attack, 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 and the player is pressured to not use the things that make the combat interesting. When you make it cooldown-based, you put it in, like... You you have a certain pressure to use the things that vary up the combat.
0: Right. Like, do I use this Cure skill now? Because, (laughs) even though I'm not super low on HP, because... By the time that
1: it's filled back up, I might actually, I might need it, but like, I won't have had to use it uh, during a like, defensive period. Yeah. Or, uh... what's another one that I was thinking of? I I just keep thinking about uh, Birth by Sleep (laughs) now. But that one, like, since all of your techniques are tied to that, it's like, uh, do I use uh, you know, my, uh super, like, one of my super attacks that takes a while to recharge, or do I use one of my uh, le- weaker ones that uh, will recharge faster, uh, knowing that uh, I have a limited window to make my decision on whether this attack is worth going for, because, like, it might not actually be vulnerable long enough to use the stronger attack.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh. Um, one system I like that's kind of a midway point between these approaches is Dark Souls One and Two. Where... Love your
1: banshee casting. What's that? Love your banshee and casting.
0: <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. but so they give you a set number of charges for any given spell. Like you can use it this number of times before you hit another bonfire. So. So you so you end up treating it more like ammunition. Exactly. Yeah. My
1: big spell gun.
0: Yeah. So you don't yeah. have you don't have to worry about, okay, you know, can I use some of this spell because it'll use up some yeah. of this this amount of the MP bar. It's okay I have this many uses. And you know, I gotta yeah. conserve those before I hit another bonfire. But, you know, it, it's a lot easier to manage than just a regular MP.
2: Yeah, yeah trying to Trying to explain or defend Vancian casting at times gets really fun online. <laughs> it's like, okay, so what you're basically doing here in the morning when you're sitting up your spells is you're creating a circuit that is supposed to hold the power in. And what, when you're so-called casting a spell, all you're doing is finishing it. And then boom, <laughs> it goes. You can't do that on the fly because you'd probably either blow yourself up or fry your own brain or open up the portal to Cthulhu. So you want to do it when it's nice and safe to do it. (laughs) Yes. And then unleash Holy Hell in a controlled, manageable, and
0: safe-for-you manner. Yes. Applied danger. But what if you want to unleash Cthulhu?
2: Well, I mean, it's actually... uh, Well, when you're dealing with magic, it's much easier to do that than you would think. As... uh, Well, did you ever read Discworld, Wheels? I uh, read a few of the books. Well, in several of the books, it's noted that wizards don't exist to use magic. They you, they exist to not use magic in the best, most controlled way possible. <laughs> because if, if too many people just started using magic willy-nilly without any idea of what they were doing, then the whole world would literally go to hell. Which happened a few times in the early books of the series. Um. But yeah, I mean, that was basically the idea. There is like, it's not as much about controlling how much music, magic you can use; it's controlling how much effect magic has on the world. <laughs> so, and sometimes you real, I mean, and sometimes it is simply much easier to mess everything up for everything, everyone, than it is to mess up one very specific part that you want to get messed up. <laughs>
3: So.
1: Um. Yeah. Mm. Do you want to hit one more? Or? Sure. I yeah, sure. Mm. Okay, see. number 79.
0: 79.
1: Okay.
3: The most
2: frustrating puzzle in an RPG.
3: Oh.
1: Oh. Hmm. oh.
2: Lufia Two: The World's Hardest Trick. Did you ever even get to that one?
1: Uh, I got about halfway through Lufia Two before I got distracted, so I don't think so. Oh well,
2: yeah, so, but yeah, so but you remember Lufia Two was very much predicated on its—it's it's a very puzzly game. Yep. Well, there was one very optional puzzle later in the game called the World's Hardest Trick, and mm-hmm. simply getting into it. Required very very precise pacing bombs and several other elements, so that you actually managed to hit the same door with a bomb twice before it shut itself.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And the world's hardest trick itself was it was it looked like a simple block sliding puzzle, Mm -hmm. and the solution for it took like seventy something moves.
1: Oh god, I'm looking at a chart for this. This is hell.
2: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but it is exactly as it says on the tin. That There is an actual sign in front of the sealed door to it that says, Warning, World's Hardest Trick.
3: <laughs>
2: yes. Uh, they knew what they were doing. They were giving fair warning and they do not make you do the thing in order to progress.
1: Just, uh, do you even get a reward
2: for it? I want to say you get something, but I don't know because I never actually did it.
1: But yeah, apparently this is actually an older puzzle that they were referencing Yeah Uh, A Klotsky puzzle But But
2: it it does take a very unsettling number of moves in order to solve it
1: Yeah, let me see if I can estimate based on Let's see Okay, there are eight columns here and Oh, lordy. 15 columns? 15 rows? Yeah, 8 columns and 15 rows plus another 5 after that times 15. Uh, Let's see. That's 125 moves. Yep. So that's horrifying.
2: Here we go. I ran... A, okay, here's a website or a page on crystalorb.net. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right
1: now. Okay, oh, below it says solution requiring only
2: 116 steps. It's a,
1: Yeah. I must have uh, lost count at some point, but yeah. Yeah computer can easily find the minimum solution by brute force. So I wrote a program to do just that. Yeah, that, that also implies there are higher versions of this.
2: Yes. Uh,
1: yeah, thank you, uh, whoever wrote this uh, thing on CrystalOrb.net for giving me nightmares now. Um, let's see. Uh, Udai brings up some stuff in Shin Megami Tensei's Strange Journeys, like teleporting puzzles.
0: Oh, it's not that bad. They're yeah,
1: mostly uh, just obnoxious.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was it Sector Eridonis?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's Eridonis that has the teleport puzzles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some things that are like in-games that like, I wouldn't really call them puzzles per se, but like the amount of gotchas is obnoxious. Uh, I remember when I played Persona 1, there are sections of that game where it's just a first-person maze that is entirely dark. Yeah. So you just have to crash into things to try to find uh, where, the, uh, where the edges and walls are. And I think, if I'm remembering correctly, that game might also have, in some of those first-person entirely dark mazes... Uh, fake floors that cause you to fall down and have to, like, climb the stairs again to get back to the damp maze again.
2: Oh, great. An obvious inspiration for Etrain Odyssey later on.
1: Yeah. Um, As and what can we do
2: to bad. make this kind of hellscape more manageable and fun?
1: Persona 1. It's kind of bad, even though it has a really good story. <laughs> I mean, there's reasons why they continued the series and other
2: reasons why they did not try to... Uh, copy the first game too closely
1: yeah it never played like that again thankfully
2: yeah Uh i mean that's atlas for you whenever it's a new system it's like let's see what we can experiment with
3: yeah yeah
1: yeah
2: i'm just waiting for them to actually come up with
0: something new and bizarre for switch
1: that'd be nice but i think we're just on the way to smt5 which i'm fine with
0: i want devil survivor 3
1: uh, people in hell want ice water. Um.
0: <laughs> well, I mean,
2: they did bring back Persona in a completely different mode for PlayStation Two.
1: That's true. It's true. Like, it's not impossible. And, and I the,
2: just I don't and think. And the first two Devil Summoner games are completely different from the second two Devil Summoner games.
1: I, th- I think. I think we all said Devil Survivor. I did.
2: I I know, but what I'm saying <laughs> is that there is a precedent for them bringing back a series with a complete makeover, and similar theming, and just keep the name.
1: Just do an HD remake of Rondo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have to be a pretty thorough remake on that one.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, have they
0: given any hint when we're going to get um, Nocturne HD in the West? Yeah, it's the summer, dude. Okay. Okay.
2: Well, anyway, Wheels, uh, before I forget, I was checking around today and they do not have... Um, Legend of Mana available for pre-order at the store yet. But they don't have soccer Frontier available either. So um, it's just too early for that, and so I cannot confirm or deny the fact that there is a physical copy available anywhere in this country yet.
0: Might just so. be
2: the Square Enix store. I kind of doubt that, because it's... It would be weird. Yeah, it, it would be really weird. I mean, Japan tends to get physical copies even for games that were from America and didn't get physical copies in America.
0: Yeah. at first.
2: I mean, I remember being surprised that, like, um, Stardew Valley didn't have a physical copy in English because I'd been seeing it in the stores <laughs> for months before the announcement came out for a physical copy in America. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And if I wanted to spit, drop $60 on it, I could get it today. I was like, yeah. And physical copy.
0: Yeah. And there was a physical copy of Crystal Chronicles over there too yeah that I have for no particular reason oh we know the exact reason because <laughs> I'm an idiot
2: but yeah so <laughs> I, I will keep an eye out for it all right um, thank you just to let you know um, I mean you may find it online before I find it in the store I've been trying it, and it's... just
0: yeah. yeah
2: no such luck so and uh, let's see. Okay. Let's see. But yeah, and I'm thinking the Mysterious Trilogy is out of luck for having any sales the week it comes out. It's coming out the same week as Saga Frontier. Uh,
1: Oh, boy.
2: Yeah. Koei Tecmo kind of missed that one.
0: Yep. Pre-ordered the physical edition of that and sold... PS4 versions I had. (laughs) So I now can have that stupid trilogy on one tiny little cart.
1: (laughs) Very excited to get mysterious, aren't you?
0: No. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) But I think what I... I mean, I think what I sold those three games for was more than what I paid for the new cart. So it worked out.
1: Fair enough. Also, looking at what I can find, Nocturne HD is set for Q1 or Q2. So, sometime in the next couple months. Because SMT4. that time wasn't crowded enough for me.
0: Yeah. I would like to finish SMT4 Apocalypse before that comes out.
1: Remember that thing I said about
0: Hell and Icewater? Water. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I'm actually making progress in Dragon Quest 7, so this may be the year to finish stuff.
1: You say that, but I'm I'm saying just in terms of, like, you know, you're trying to make progress in things that all take 100 hours.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it.
1: <laughs> so, good luck, but and I don't... If I'm actually I back in the mess. office
0: at some point this year, it may cut down on my gaming time, so there's that, too. Have
1: you considered not going back into the office in person?
0: No, I, I, I am not a work-from-home person. I'm, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. <laughs>
1: uh, what a coward. But, uh...
2: And I need to figure out what I'm playing after I finish Saga 2, if I get past Apollo
1: eventually. <laughs> Well, by then okay. saga frontier will be out
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh I hope God. it's like how many more times can I go up against this boss Ugh. I mean Odin only took me eight tries and I'm up to like 13 for Apollo now
1: going great yeah <laughs> but, eh, you can you can break in that copy of uh, outer worlds or something
2: yeah. I'm oh really man, just to make probably start more... playing some of my um Switch games in order of when I got them so that certain random titles don't get forgotten for years again.
1: That's fair. No, yeah. I'm just thinking about how like the entire world got more confused again when Outer Wilds got announced for Switch. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I saw that and was like, okay, is there any connection between the two or is it just nope.
1: a coincidence? They came out at almost exactly the same time and are completely unrelated. It's hellish.
0: They were both on Game Pass at the same time. <laughs> oh.
2: It's... Oh dear.
0: It's frustrating. Other than involving outer space they are about as on un... unrelated as they yes. can be. Yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, I think I can probably start wrapping things up
0: mm.
1: unless we've got a particular call to keep going
0: Oh, mm. well, next week is episode 200 yeah, yeah. with special guest uh, Matt Mason because apparently we gave him a free get on episode 200 card
1: I mean, he asked before anyone else, which is kind of a no-take-backs rule.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, true. He kind of called dibs on it. And we do, do have an entire list of Dragon Quest-related questions <laughs> just for him.
1: Yeah, uh, we got a... I don't know if we ever came up with a gimmick for that. Maybe me and him can fight each other to death with swords over the honor of Dragon Quest swords. <laughs> but, uh, otherwise, we do still have one more plug that's tradition.
2: Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so on Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yadimizu. Uh, available nine episodes, one side story, hopefully soon to be the second side story up as well, and three paperback editions. Currently editing through the fourth paperback.
1: It never ends.
2: Well, I mean, thankfully, the fourth paperback story actually did end because it was getting a little long. <laughs> So, it just happens to be twice as long as the third paperback. Oops! <laughs> oh no! Tw- no, half again as long. Sorry, wrong. Percentage. One and a half. Half again as long. So
1: okay, that's slightly less terrifying. Fifty percent longer. Yeah. Wheels, are brain breaking? Yes. Clearly, um, but yeah, that's available uh, on Amazon. Uh, yes. But uh I think that kind of does us in. Uh So who's got the police? You? Oh, that's me, sorry. Uh like, what were you doing, Dave? <laughs> I was playing I was playing ROMs I downloaded more than twenty four hours ago. But. <laughs> okay. uh, um. uh, uh Yeah, Uh, thank you to all questioners. Thank you to Tam and Budai in our chat. Thank you to Fireminer for the never-ending list that keeps us uh, going. Uh, Hopefully, uh, here's to 199 more episodes. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Here's to 199
0: uh, more jokes about Breath of Fire being terrible don't do that you don't
1: have to antagonize I mean,
0: them uh tales of vesperia
1: at least at least we can all not antagonize each other about that yeah. uh but yeah uh otherwise see ya space cowboys